from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Needing this one. Sometimes you just got to let it ride. You know what I mean? <laughs> Good morning. Happy Fresh Fridays to all of you. Appreciate you hanging out on the show. Ursula, good morning to you. <laughs> good morning. We have a very packed Fresh Friday for you. Yes, we do. Uh, coming up at 930, this is audio that we're all going to hear together for the first time. It is involving a very popular singer, Michael Bublé. Y'all love him. During a press conference. He, he's very talented. Yes, he is. But this was one of those weird ones that you have to listen to. But but we'll, we'll bring you some news, too, yeah. because it has to do with what is going on in Olympia. Uh, it's a little over ha- halfway through the session, about halfway through. It's a very short session. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that are going to make it, it looks like, and one of the things that are not. And that has to do with what we're going to talk about involving Michael Buble. But you're not going to want to miss that coming up at 930. Four cups today. Okay. Well, I should have cups. Y'all, I'm going to just keep it a buck, like G likes to say. I woke up this morning. You know how I woke up this morning? How? Chef calling us for our morning meeting. <laughs> so so take us to that. So real quick. That was we'll that get hasn't to, happened we'll, in about a couple of decades. We'll go, we'll get to we'll get to the news in a second. Tell us how that conversation sounded, what happened. Uh, you want to say it or Chef wants to say it? How, you, how did it go? Um, let's have Chef say chef, it. Chef, what happened? Bro? Well, the, the phone rings about five, six times, and I think to myself, oh, no. Did she leave her phone at home? Yeah. And then I hear this, her pickup and this scramble, and in the background I hear, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hello? Hello? (laughs) (laughs) And and what'd you say, Chef? Good morning, Ursula. And I don't hear any car noise. Ursula's not in her car on her Bluetooth. (laughs) Ursula, did I wake you up? And then there were a few four-letter words (laughs) expressed (laughs) as I'm stumbling out like, oh, no. in my defense, you have a lot going on. <laughs> I have on. a lot going on, um, and it, today is my mom's memorial service, so right. I was up real late last night. But right. uh, in any case, if we've got a great show for you. As always, we invite you to join us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line eight 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 nine seven three five four seven six triple eight ninety seven three Cairo. And since we're being real transparent. Which chef we begged you to stay I home know. today nope, nope, nope. to be sold at your mom's memorial, but you still wanted to come yes, to work. Okay, yes, just yes, want to yes. put that out this there. This is my home away from home. Okay, uh, top stories of the day brought to you by Way Scar 40 Susu and Auburn. A plan to shut down all the youth jails in King County by next year has now been delayed. Executive Dow Constantine says it could be several more years before that happens. But in the meantime, there's a new proposal now that calls for teen suspects to be held in a 24 hour center where kids face serious charges could stay for up to three days or until their first court hearing. And then those who are considered higher risk would then be placed in group homes in different neighborhoods. They'd be in urban or rural areas while they await trial. Each of these homes would have up to five of the suspects and they would be run by community organizations with county supervision. Uh, under the proposal, some of these homes would have locks. Some would only have staffers to keep youth from leaving. And the county is going to be holding community town halls to discuss this proposal over the next year. 
You were at one of these town halls, G. You have a few minutes to testify as they give everybody a chance to give their piece. What are you saying? There needs and there is a need for youth jails and also a need to fix the racist realities that are embedded in many systems. Yes. Both can be true. I also will say this. Um, Let's get to the reasons why we have youth out here resorting to crime, right? Not the justifications, but the reasons why. And a lot of these things resort back to some type of economic disadvantage. Let me just say again, because sometimes I think yesterday I was on one side because sometimes it gets lost, Ursula. Like, yes, there needs to be. A youth jail. Just yesterday, I think that the Seattle police arrested two teens who were allegedly responsible for purposely driving over the pedestrians on a roar. Let me ask you this. You mean, where should those teens go? Should, should they go to a nice hotel and get a luxurious? Well, according to this, they should go to a group home. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, again, I don't want to keep talking about this, but I just want to say both things can be true. Yes, there needs to be in youth jail. And yes, we need to fix some things in our system. Yeah. And the reason this came about. So in 2020, to just go back through a little bit of the history uh, in 2020. Uh, when uh, the the jail, so the current jail, which yes. is down in uh, close to the central district or downtown Seattle, okay. um, where the current youth jail is a new one, um, there were a lot of protests. I mean, the no youth jail was a common chant by a very group, vocal group of protesters. And Dal Constantine responded by saying, you know, this is the plan. We want to close them. We don't want to rely on because uh, the disproportionate number of specifically black youth uh, populating yes. the juvenile detention center. It was, I think it was up to half uh, of the suspects in there. Um and so he made this promise, we're going to shut them down by 2025. Right. Well, first of all, I think that's just, I think a lot of people made promises. It was during, you know, the time of protests after the murder of George Floyd. I think city council, county council, I think a lot of promises were made that are not going to be able to be kept. But at the moment, everyone got swept up in that, uh, you know, that that push, which rightfully so um, you know, we, we talked about the inequalities and, and the injustices, and there was a lot of focus on that. But there were promises made that cannot be kept. I think it's crazy to say you're going to get rid of and have no juvenile detention center. I, I think that the King County needs to get rid of that idea. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Mm, I agree. Um, uh, the idea of of having teen suspects, some of whom uh, have been accused of some very serious crimes, having them live in neighborhoods. I can't wait to see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of the recent escapes from Echo Glen Children's Center in Snoqualmie? I mean, Echo Glen Children's Center sounds really benign, but uh, these kids were accused of doing some violent things and then they escape hurting staffers. The idea of them being in neighborhoods, in group homes that may or may not be locked, I think it's insane. Yeah. Um, and while a mistake should not derail a child forever, 
Uh, I I think that they're you know when when you're young you do make dumb mistakes, and you should be a given a chance, and you you. We should do everything to try to not have them have that trajectory of, you know, just going into a life of crime. Yeah. Um, however, not holding kids accountable for their actions is not the answer. And if you look at what we're seeing right now, car theft charges against teens in King County went up by more than 500 percent just last year. We've seen a dramatic increase in charges involving violent crimes, including armed robbery. Yeah. You know, so I love what you said. Both things can be true. You can try to reform and rehabilitate and give kids a chance to do better. But you have to also understand that not holding them accountable and coddling them is not the answer. Right. Yeah, I, I'm trying to uh, just refrain, refrain from getting emotional on this topic because I think it's Fresh Fridays and uh, y'all don't want me to do that. So I think what you said was well said or so. Okay. Okay. We'll move on. So what happens if you are a hospital that forces poor patients to pay for medical services they can't afford? Well, Providence hospitals found out they're going to have to pay nearly $160 million in refunds and debt relief to 100,000 low-income patients to settle a lawsuit filed by the state. The suit accused the healthcare system, which includes Swedish hospitals, of badgering patients to pay their medical bills, even if they were eligible for financial assistance under state law. So this woman named Evangeline Holiday says she and her husband were never told that they could qualify after she gave birth to their daughter at Swedish Medical Center. They were hit with a $7,000 bill. And after they missed their first payment, the hospital turned their account over to a collection agency. Our first monthly bill that came was approximately twice what the hospital had been billing us. So, of course, if we couldn't afford what the hospital was charging us, we definitely couldn't afford what the collectors were charging us. As part of the settlement, Providence will also have to make changes so that they do a better job of figuring out which patients are eligible for that financial assistance before sending them to collections. You know, sometimes people ask questions, you know, I I understand when they say things like, um, well, where are the parents, you know, and are there, is this a single household? That's probably the crime is going up. Let me just say this. You can have a two parent household and have a medical debt derail the trajectory of your family. Right. You have situations like these. Right. When you have people who are being inundated with these letters and phone calls and you need to pay this or else and you're going to be and you got to get your uh, wages garnished and all those things. There's so many people right now that could be a medical emergency away, a medical debt away between being housed and unhoused. I'm really happy that this goes through and there'll be some low income people that won't be burdened with this debt. Well, apparently, uh, they say more than 200 patients will see refunds over 5,000 bucks. Another 70 patients will get more than $10,000. I mean, I can personalize this story. Uh, My parents were in this situation. My, my, you know, both of them retired in their 80s. My dad was in his 90s. Uh, You go to the hospital, and uh, again, if under state charity care law, if you are at or below 300% of the federal poverty level, you are eligible for free or discounted medical care. I will tell you that some hospitals don't even bring it up. And in fact, in in um, this case, they don't make it easy to apply. So then you're hit and then you're, you know, again, looking at robbing Peter to pay Paul because you don't want your thing to go into collections. You don't want to have a, um, uh, a, a ding on your your credit score. Um, you don't want 
collectors harassing you. I mean, there are a lot of, like right now, there are a lot of people who are at retirement age who right. fall under this. No um, and um, according to the complaint, Providence's tactic would be to give their staffers a script and told them to ask every patient every time to pay their hospital bills. Right. Uh, and then they would say, don't accept the first no, so that you could keep harassing them, essentially, right. to pay for their treatment, even if they say, you know, I, I can't pay for, the, for this. And one of Providence's own employees said they called the practice sending the poor to bad debt. Imagine this. Imagine getting uh, a medical debt, right? And one that you can't pay, then it's on your credit, chef. Mm -hmm. And then you ready for this one? You know, all the people that's like, hey, well, if your credit's bad, you should have to pay more for your car insurance. Wait a minute. I'm a good driver. I haven't done anything. But because I had this medical debt on my credit, now I'm paying more of an insurance premium. You right? It's, it's almost like it's almost like in America, it is good business to ding the poor. Can I just comment on the extraordinary hypocrisy of Providence yeah, right now? Because hospital. this is a, this is a Catholic organization. I'm going to read you their mission statement. Very short. Their mission statement is expressions of God's healing love witnessed through the ministry of Jesus. We are steadfast in serving all, especially those who are poor and vulnerable. And serving or praying upon them, Providence. Yeah. And these are well, they, magic beans. <laughs> got a, well, apparently they're agreeing to do better as they have to pay this big fat uh, bill. After members of Seattle's LGBTQ community cr criticized recent inspections of bars and nightclubs, we were reporting on that, the State Liquor and Cannabis Board has now suspended the enforcement of its lewd conduct rule. That rule makes it illegal for people to display body parts like nipples, as we talked about yesterday, if you're an establishment where alcohol is served. Owners and patrons of some gay bars in Seattle compared these inspections to the kind of harassment that sparked the historic Stonewall riots in New York in 1969. So uh, this morning, the Seattle Times is reporting that the board has now also decided to suspend working with the Seattle Police Department's joint enforcement team, at least for now. Hey, Ursula, I said it this morning. I got to give credit to the Liquor and Cannabis Board. Immediately, they paused. Immediately, they said, we're going to review potential changes to regulations and policies. Immediately, they said that they're going to work with legislatures and community leaders. That is what you want to call even though, hey, maybe there's some things that we might have got wrong. You know what? Let's pause. Let's hear what you all have to say. Let's get this right. Yeah. I wish, I, I really wish that a lot of things in America can go just like that. Yeah. Instead of them staying steadfast right. in their opinion. Yeah. Nope, we got it right. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. But this, so anyway, whoever the leader is, whoever is in charge of the liquor and cannabis board, I just want to say, Salute to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they looked at it, said, that, yeah, this rule seems silly if you can go to the solstice parade and be, as you like to say, buck naked. And then if you stop at a bar. I don't say after that today. The <laughs> that was the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go to a bar and then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, a, a, a male's, uh, you know, as I, I don't want to keep saying the word. But anyway, right. uh, 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 basically, 
a benign body part is hanging out and you're going to freak out about that just because it's at a, a, an establishment uh, didn't make sense and it didn't fall really under the whole lewd conduct thing. Hey, quick question. So I always like to do something around us, chef, all you got. Has your experience in a restaurant ever been messed up because you saw someone's chest? I'm just trying to, I'm asking you guys. You ever had, uh, no, you maybe ever had, because you're not supposed to do it. I haven't had other patrons strip, but I can't believe they're removing enforcement. I mean, what is it going to be like topless Tuesday now? Bars across the state. This is going to be calamitous. I don't think they're, although Brad in the 253 says it's ridiculous the state is caving on this issue, valid enforcement of our liquor laws. I think that the, what they're saying is they recognize that maybe that one specific part in there, the lewd conduct thing. I, I think we're going to have to see how this plays out, though. I, okay, I just wanted to, I, I, I tried to stay away from saying what I'm going to say. Oh, no. <laughs> I tell you what, boy. It, <laughs> It just feels like Ursula, like as soon as this happened, I mean, immediately, I mean, almost within 48, within hours. 48 hours, like no others, nobody else has been able to do something like this. But this situation right here, boom, stop, don't move. You paused. Wow, that is power. And before we get out of here, did you did you hear chef say uh, calamitous? Yes, that's a good word. I thought he said calamari. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you focused on, not topless Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Coming up next on the G and Ursula show, we're going to find out what's alive and what's dead in Olympia and including a connection with that topic and Grammy Award-winning singer Michael Bluble. Watch how Ursula ties all that together. Next, Jen Ursula. To the G and Ursula show, our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line is 888-973-5476, Cairo. And with a little over a month left in this legislative session, some of the proposals that we have discussed on our show are dying on the vine, including... The gift card one, which I really liked, that bill that would have allowed consumers to cash out gift cards up to $50, that one is dead. Uh, A ban on TikTok that the uh, Senator Jim Walsh was proposing, uh, that doesn't have enough support to move forward. And then supporters of psychedelic therapies won't have their way this year. The bill that would have allowed legal therapeutic use of psilocybin by veterans and first responders has failed to make it out of committee. Support our troops. So uh, the one that surprises me, I guess, out of those would be the gift cards one. I thought that that one might have a 
a chance, but really? maybe it was just too early on. And the session is really short, so that doesn't that didn't surprise me. I didn't think that that would pass. There's no way in the world. I mean, that would be a, a lot. Gu- of small a, businesses would be that'd be a gut punch to business. Well, not even just small business. We're talking about the big businesses. Big, that yeah. they really, we're targeting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but as long as we're talking about magic mushrooms, yeah. we need to hear this audio that had chef chuckling this morning. So Grammy Award winning singer Michael Bublé. Uh, well, there is a connection here. If you're not familiar with him, he's a Canadian singer. He has just an absolutely gorgeous voice. A lot of catchy tunes. Michael Bublé is good. Yeah, so he's really good. But yeah. uh, you might not realize this, but the NHL All-Star festivities are underway in Canada right now. And Michael Bublé was selected as a celebrity team captain along with Justin Bieber, another okay. Canadian. And among all the media events, Buble had this press conference with reporters and apparently it went bizarre world. So here are some of his comments along with a very weird admission. The answer is no. I will not be the oldest draft pick the Vancouver Canucks have ever taken at 48 years old. I know you and you. You're a really good hockey You got good hands, dude. You've got silky mitts, my brother. You are the first person who's ever told me that. Because I'm the first real ever hockey fan. My buddy told me this is just a microdose of mushrooms, and he was lying. So I'll be honest, I thought I was in Blades of Glory for most of the time that I was out there until it sort of settled down, and then I realized, holy I am at the NHL All-Star Game. Okay, so let's hear a little more. We literally are the heart and soul of these teams. And uh, if they win, it'll be because of us. And if they lose, it will be because of us. All of my my text, it was people, congratulations, congratulations on being chosen to go to the All-Star game. And I was like, congratulations, I'm I'm a superstar. Thanks, guys, thank you. He was intense. <laughs> he was really into it. So uh, apparently the mushrooms hit him in a certain way. He didn't try to down a plane. Uh, that is true. He didn't try to do anything at the gorge. That is true. Most of the time, that's what you get is that right there. And um, does that make anybody fearful hearing Michael Bublé in that in that way? Does that make anybody just say things like, oh, my goodness, we need to ban uh, psilocybin and all that kind of stuff? Does that make people get out of control? He, he made it funny. But the, the idea that you could do it, I mean, you brought up two specific instances where, where something either horribly went wrong. Right. Or something could have horribly went wrong. Right. Uh, I will say that the reason I'm not a big fan, I understand that there are some therapeutic uh, aspects to it. Some mm-hmm. some people swear by it for uh, addressing depression right. and anxiety. Right. Um, I have seen someone uh, near and dear to my heart uh, who took too much of magic mushrooms. Yeah. And I will tell you that it was one of the scariest times of my life. Right. And uh, it doesn't affect everybody in the same way. And it, and it, yeah. if you overdo it, you are capable of doing something that you will seriously regret yeah. later on. I get it, though. Right. Like if there's one thing about doing this job, 
I understand sometimes how we think the way that we do. So, for an example, if you have anxiety, if you have some type of depression, here, take this drug, right? Because we all know pharmaceutical companies are going to get the pass to give us drugs. You know, kind of like if you got a toothache, you're getting that Percocet and all those things. We, what did that do to our country when with access and overdoing those things? So, yeah. and then the fact that in the legislature right now, uh, the bill dying that would have allowed legal therapeutic loose, uh, excuse me, use of psilocybin for veterans and first responders like why, why why so i think there needs to be first of all i think there needs to be a lot more education uh secondly i think that uh psilocybin or the magic mushrooms uh under for, for therapeutic use with trained professionals i don't have an issue with that i, I think it's just legalization of uh, mushrooms right uh, for just uh, general use, well, well, I would. Well, you so you would be against like. I, here's okay. my thing. I, I, I was against legalizing marijuana. That's fair. I, I, that's fair. You know what? To be honest, sometimes Ursula, when I talk to you about this stuff, yeah. and we go back and forth about this, it's harmless with you. Yeah. Disagreeing about it. Yeah. Because I look at you when you're talking about this, and I say to myself. Why does someone have this real opinion? Yeah. Because of my what, personal experience. That and also what society has told us over the years, right? We don't, we'll be mad, crazy upset about some mushrooms or some marijuana, but we don't have that same hostility towards alcohol. But we all know mm, alcohol kills way more people daily, constantly. But for some reason. But but why is that? Well, society has told us that alcohol is good. Alcohol is celebration. You graduate from from high school or college or celebration on a promotion. Oh, let's go have a drink and a cocktail to celebrate. Let's have we even call it happy hour. We have a nickname where alcohol is celebrated, but we don't do that with mushrooms. And, And as a matter of fact, the people that are experts on this are saying to the world, this will help with depression. This will help with alcoholism. These are things that could possibly help, but it's not mainstream because the majority of us demonize these things, but we harmonize alcohol. Can I address that? Because, gee, you're, you're right. We, we don't demonize alcohol, but there are also a lot of people who think, look, alcohol has been with us since the dawn of human civilization. And it's a part of our society. Prohibition has never worked. At the same time, do we need to accept new risks, even if they are less dangerous than alcohol, right? I know there's a lot of people who said when pot was legalized, like, look, we don't have a long cultural history of marijuana use, like in most civilizations. Mm -hmm. Why do we need to expand upon risks? We already have one. We don't need more options. Sure. I hear hear you saying, and to... Allie and Tacoma just said something, and I want to just promote this. I want to say this. If I ask you right now, is there anybody in your family that has a mushroom problem? Would you say yes? If there's anybody in your pro- in your family that has died because of a marijuana problem. But now let me ask the same thing about an alcohol problem. Right? Like, it's so one-sided when it comes to what are our problems in society. So that's why I don't even... Um, I understand why people think the way that they do on it, and I really do. And that's why, Ursula, when you when it comes up, 
I like talking about it with you because yeah. I totally understand it. <laughs> and, my, and my grandmama would say, that, that, that devil's lettuce, <laughs> you got to stick it, you got to stay away from it. <laughs> Coming up next, we need to talk. Oh, this topic might get some people fired up. Drunk driving. If caught, there was a house bill that passed without support for getting deported. We'll talk about the next Jen Ursula. show happy friday y'all what y'all got going on this weekend y'all doing anything watching anything good on netflix or anything yeah go ahead pass it along let me know because i don't have to work this weekend ursula your boy is just gonna be chilling doing good. nothing doing I, nothing the, that's been the last couple of weekends for you mm, it's been and nice. i think it's healthy for you yeah oh yes it is it is all right everybody we do need to talk by the way michael medved is going to join us at 10 o'clock i want to know what you all think about this there is some bipartisan agreement in congress and there's a bill that just passed the house that caught my eye 59 democrats joined all 215 republicans to pass a bill that would bar immigrants convicted of DUI in another country and deport those convicted of DUI in the U.S. Ursula, I want to get your thoughts because 150 Democrats did not have support of this bill. They're basically saying if you are here, an undocumented immigrant here, and you get a DUI, they don't believe that you should be deported. Or like Canada does all the time. Y'all know if you've ever been to the border and you heard about somebody having a DUI, you sure can't go into Canada. That's a rule. Your thoughts on this topic, Ursula? So I think DUI is a very serious offense. Um, yeah. And I know that there are a lot of people who say, hey, you know, I've made stupid mistakes. I have done... well." you know, whatever and driven and it could have been me. That said, if you are here in the country illegally and you are wanting to become a citizen, I think becoming a citizen is something uh, is a great privilege is something that uh, there should be a pathway. We've talked about the need for immigration reform, et cetera. But if you are here in the country illegally and you commit a crime, including a, a conviction for DUI, not just a charge of DUI, right. but a conviction of uh, driving under the influence. Right. I, I hate to say, but I would be among those who would say, yeah, you may lose your privilege to become, you know, it, it's going to be harder for you to go down that path of citizenship here. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, too. I had a friend of mine, Ray, was deported because he got caught with some recreational drugs. He gets caught with some drugs on him. Right. He had to get deported. Yeah. He had to go back to Panama. Um, there's a text message that just comes in. And actually, after that, it was like two more that's asking me this question, Ursula. And they asked me, they said, why does G dislike alcohol so much? Uh, does uh, he you're have- very passionate about. Yeah. I want to I want to talk about that. I want to be very transparent as to why. Um, first, I, I used to I, I used to drink. As a matter of fact, I used to drink with the best of them. 
Um, and one of the stories that I shared with Chef, and I'm not proud of, right? I shared with Chef this morning that before Uber, in my 20s, I probably went out four nights a week. Easy. I drove during those times. The difference between me and someone that has six or seven DUIs, right, is I didn't get caught. That's the difference. And the reason why I am going so hard on these things is because I think that alcohol is extremely dangerous if out of control. Yes. The crazy part is it's a huge problem in our society, mm -hmm. but we don't talk about it because you can be someone that drinks every single day and it's not really a, it's not considered really a problem. And so the reason why I do that is because, and I'll be very clear, Ursula, I know that there are young people that listen to our show. And I also know that a DUI or a car accident with you driving in that vehicle or DUI could mesh your whole life up, can mess up the trajectory of your kids. So I don't demonize you if you had a drink. That's not where I'm coming from. But I do decide to talk about this often lately. Well, yeah. And if you choose to have a drink or a couple of drinks and you are impaired and you drive and cause harm to somebody, again, uh, you are making a choice to do something that could kill not just yourself, but many other people. Right. And, and, and it does every single year. Frankly, I think the penalties for DUI are, are, are way too light. I think that uh, I, I think that we should th throw the book at people who drive under the influence. Right. Absolutely. Um, and. I appreciate your the passion that you have about that. And I know that you have made the decision to stop drinking alcohol. Yes. Uh, one of my family members. I mean, I, I have a family that addiction is a very real issue, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, drugs, which, again, has shaped my view, or alcohol. And I am very proud of uh, a loved one who has made the decision at a very young age I'm just going to cut out alcohol because mm -hmm. every time I have it, I can't stop right. and I make decisions that I regret. Right. But that's and it's it's very hard. But but we've been we have been groomed to basically accept it because it's part of our social life. It's part right. of the social fabric. That's all. And again, I think that I want to go back to when I was messing up Ursula in my 20s. How did I get to that point? Why was why, how come that I was doing something like that? I think is because I don't think there's enough really teachings about these things. I think you see the point zero eight out there on the side of the road, and you think, oh, I just so as long as I have two drinks, I can be fine. And then you find out that's not the case. So anyway, good stuff coming up next here on the Gene Ursula Show. Michael Medved is going to join us. It's always a good time when Michael joins us. Our Republican brothers and sisters, we get to learn what's going on. Do that next. Gene Ursula.